0: Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. And welcome to the Lane Boy Analysis episode. I am prefacing here as a very sad editing Anna because my audio channel was wrong the entire podcast, and at least pre editing, it's an hour and a half. So I'm very sad because there's a lot of good content here, and it's obviously one of my longer podcasts. Um, I'm sure I m- am more critical than other other people, but thank you so much for caring, even if the audio is not a deal. Um, I just you know, it might be superfluous, but just want to apologize that the audio will not be its normal quality, um, but luckily the content is still there, and that's never stopped me before, of course, but it was just a bit of a bummer, so I will talk to you soon, and enjoy. I should just start my recording with a gulp into the microphone. Oh. Hello, local dreamers! Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode 56, Lane Boy. Make sure you've listened to the song beforehand and are ready for an in-depth analysis of track six off Blurry Face. I am beaming right now. It is past 11 p.m., but I am thriving. I spent probably at least an hour prepping for this um, yesterday and today, not all today, but... Like, I used my very first gel pen and my brand new 60-piece set that I'm just psyched about. And so many good notes, so many good content I have to talk about that I was just too excited to be rational and go to bed. I was like, I absolutely need to record right now. Um, Mostly because I find that when I don't record right after I take notes... I usually forget things, and I like to give you as much as I possibly can. So I think my voice just like started to go right there for some reason. Um, But yes, I anticipate this being a very chunky podcast, and I'm very excited. This song is so good, and honestly, I was very surprised that no one signed up for it. The music video is also so good so I'm just gonna be thriving this month honestly um I already am because I love December I feel like December and January are the, the months when I thrive I don't know what it is it's just like the holidays plus like I feel like most people are like biased for when they're born I was born in January but also like there's something about me caring too much about achievement that just like loves January because it's a blank slate and there's like so many Just, like, new goals to create things. Anyway, how did we get here? I don't know. But I have a lot to talk about. I'm very excited. And let's just jump in. So, Nugget has some things to say. And also the Zoomies. So, (laughs) this will be fun. Um, She's definitely not staying in her lane. Um, Probably make lots of corny jokes. I'm scared she's going to, like jump up behind me and scare me. Yeah, this is the time of the night where routinely she will hide behind the shower curtain and jump out at me and attack my feet. So I think she's disappointed I'm not doing that right now. But anyway, Lane Boy. So this is the fourth album single that was released on May 4th, you guessed it, 2015. So here's some quotes I took from the good old Wikipedia, from an interview that they did. I don't have the link, um, but if anyone finds the link, feel free to share it, and I can share it, or, you know, whatever you're feeling. Um, if you just want to listen to these quotes, that's fine too. So, Tyler said... Lane Boy is that song in the record that you kind of break that fourth wall, and you can look into what it's like to really be a normal person in our position. And I think this song does pay really good homage to the tensions of being in the music industry. (laughs) And he goes on to say, I describe Lane Boy as the moment where I broke character, saying things that weren't necessarily artistic or beautiful, but exactly what I wanted to say and exactly what I was feeling. It broke character and became a frustrated human. And I really like that I read this before analyzing because it really, I think, set the stage well for all of my analysis and made me love it even more, honestly. But I cut the quote short. He ends it saying, for a moment, I don't imagine needing to say things like that anymore. I remember showing that song to some people and they said, I don't think you want to say that. And Josh said to me, let's say it. And I... I just love that so much, um, that Josh really pulled the trigger there and um, was 100% on his back, which I feel like also references to verse 2 and and some of the lyrics there about don't come between me and my loved ones. (laughs) Um, I feel like Josh really exemplifies that encouragement and um, support for Tyler, which is exactly what he was needing, and I'm so glad that they did what they did. This is very chaotic. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, I'm actually going to close the door. This is too distracting. We're back, and Nugget is unfortunately um, gone. (laughs) But for my concentration, it's fortunate. Last background fact, there's also their released version with Mute Math that came out on January 3rd, 2017. And that is also a really good version. Um, There's a really great drum solo at the end between Josh and the drummer of Mute Math. So I'd highly recommend, if you've not already heard it, to go check that version out too. Okay, let's get into the song, because there is just a heck of a ton here. So the first thing I want to say, because this isn't quite you know, in the same vein as the Christian analysis that we do. Nugget just ran into the door. <laughs> I think I mentioned this before, but just wanted to reiterate that in my college projects when I analyzed Tony on Pilots, my final paper was on how my cultural artifact or tony on Pilots could be exclusive to certain groups and so I focused on how they exclude lower class people of color, and one, I used two songs. One of them is Fairly Local, which I honestly, I think I forgot to, did I mention it? Oh my gosh, I've already forgotten. I'm sure, I, I'm sure I did. So yeah, I used Fairly Local, and then I also used Lane Boy. And as you can imagine, the main part that really stuck out in my analysis was when he says, I'm not from the hood, um, but I know a thing or two about pain and darkness, Or no, he says, I wasn't raised in the hood, but I know a thing or two about pain and darkness. And obviously, like, I know what he means, but at the same time, it could definitely come across probably not how he intends it. Because in some ways, like, it's so really unrealistic and impossible to compare, like, mental trials with. The assumption I take from the concept of the hood is a lot of like, violence and physical trials, so while, like, as I'll I'll talk about when we get to it, like, you very much should validate everything, at the same time, like, there's that line, right, of, like, when is it appropriate to, though, like, in, like, it's appropriate, it's always appropriate to validate, but I don't think it was appropriate to compare and juxtapose those things, because they're really not comparable Not because one or the other is worse or better, but just, like, they're just not anywhere close to the same thing. So, anyway, that being said, it's definitely not a flawless song, um, which I think is perfect, because that's what they're going for. That's one of the main theses of this song. So, just wanted to preface with that, Um, as I know, like, that particular line could also possibly rub other people a little bit the wrong way. And as always, I will never say anything is perfect because that's just not true. Which also, you know, everything is just related to Lane Boy. Like Lane Boy is just, now that I've like really dwelt in it for an extended period of time on its own, I'm like, I feel like this is very much almost an epitome of the band, or at least their life mission so I really appreciate it. But yeah, I think I might have, now that I'm saying that, I think I might have cut myself off earlier when, like, all the Nugget stuff happened. I was gonna add, I was analyzing it for so long, preparing it, because I also just spent a lot of time, um, not even taking notes, but just listening to the musicality of the song, um, and obviously I am a musician, so I love music, I love the music aspect of all of their songs but in this song in particular I feel like they do a lot of unique things and I think they do a lot of cool things with layer things and it was a very satisfying experience to be analyzing the lyrics but then to be putting them together with the music like I think specifically in this song the music further builds on the story of the lyrics um, and that's not always the case usually the music is just kind of the device um the framework through which the message is told um but rather than being like the border to the puzzle it's also like another piece of the puzzle that's being told um, and so I think that makes the song very memorable and very powerful because every single component of it is necessary to tell the whole story and that's also why I love the video because the video adds even more to what's already been laid with the music and the lyrics So we start the song with the guitar plucking and the drums, and it's very much like this tiptoe feel, um, this delicate balance, trying not to disturb anything, um, kind of the image of what it means to walk on eggshells is what I physically think of when I hear these rhythms. So we get into the chorus, and the, the bass comes in as well, which I think really emphasizes that this is the message now and I also think it's really poignant that they start with the chorus because it's it's saying okay we're not just singing a song but we're immediately gonna pack you with a punch we're immediately coming out with full irritation which again builds on Tyler's commentary that he set this up and he says they say stay in your lane boy but we go where we want to. They think this thing is a highway. But will they be alive tomorrow? Asking the good questions. Immediately, like I said, we're just plopped into this irritation of being told what to do. And also being confined. Like the idea of staying in your lane lane is very much about parameters. It's very much about this line tells you to do this, and the other line tells you to do this, and you can't stray outside of that, or it's dangerous, or it's going to cause people to be upset, um, someone might honk their horn, and also, like, you, you don't dare want to, like, be an inconvenience to anyone. I always get really stressed when someone's riding on my booty, um, even though really, like that's a them problem, and I feel like I feel like I'm getting better. At, like, okay, that's more of them problem, but like as a people pleaser, I'm like I need to get out of the way immediately because it just stresses me out so much. I feel like I'm in convenience and doing something wrong, and so visually, like it's it's very much about control. But that's the thing. Like they've gone from self-publishing, right to being under a label. And no matter how great a label is, like it's still a label and just the nature of capitalism, um, and everything like that. To an extent like there's there's limits on their creativity, which is really aggravating because that is completely hypocritical. It's the concept of creativity. Um, but that's also why I think this song is so good, is because there's certain ways it has to be in parameters, so they find even more creative ways to go outside of the parameters. But yes, I, I completely can empathize with just being frustrated with, well, that's, like, too much, right? Anyway, I, won't, I, I almost got ahead of myself. But similarly, like, if there's this obsession with control around humans and what we're creating I think this also implies that on an even greater scale like we're obsessed to control with <laughs> can't even speak I'm so excited we're obsessed with control so much that we even try to control I mean obviously we're already controlling things we can't control we cannot control human beings um, that is a whole other podcast I could make for so many reasons um, I have firsthand, dealt with someone who has tried to control me and also I admit there's been times where I've inappropriately tried to control others even when it wasn't intentional because sometimes we might just get so stuck in an idea of like oh like for me it was like oh I just really want to be this person's friend that you you don't even take into consideration like who they are, and and also, like, how they're a part of the equation, too, and, like, it's not just about how much you want to be someone's friend, but, like, they also have to want to be your friend, um, and I honestly forgot where I was going with that, but point being, you can't control humans, um, because it's just, you just can't. (laughs) This is where my, this is admittedly where my, um, exhaustion is hitting me. But, anyway, I clearly can't explain that any other way. I'm just gonna go in circles, so bear with me here. I promise I'm not gonna be this unhinged for most of it. But also, I'm not flawless, so have some grace, perhaps, mayhaps. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe I will just... (laughs) to <laughs> forthwith go off the rails? We'll see. Back to my original point before I got confused. We also can't control God, obviously, but when there's, like, implications of any kind of, like, how we're trying to relate to humans, and let alone, like, how we're trying to relate to creativity, it's Inevitably going to have implications for the original creator um, with his original creativity. And that being said, it's very irritating to come up against this concept of lanes and trying to keep someone in one place and make them do something when that's not appropriate. But by extension, like we have to realize when we are similarly trying to do that to God and like keep him in box that makes sense to us because he's he's never going to to fully make sense to us but we have scripture like his thoughts are higher than my thoughts we see in a mirror but dimly he sees in full so many times in scripture when it's very clear that we don't know everything we don't know nearly everything not even close and certainly we don't know god as much as we might think we do and you know it can be very clear in a lot of different ways of the ways that we fall short a lot of the western white church can very much like take the sacredness out of god and just treat him as like only a friend which is not accurate but then also like with catholicism there's a lot more separation as well and it's the other extreme where it focuses on sacredness so much that it's like I can't even be near him when like that's also not true because that's why Jesus came so that we can have we we don't have that same separation and gap between us anymore because of that. And like how do we hold these at the same time but also there's so much other mysteriousness of God that we will never even know or never understand or be able to comprehend. And I wanted to read a poem from a book that I read last month because it's really, really good. And I think it perfectly encapsulates this idea of you cannot box God it. We can't tell people to stay in their lane. Like that's not how humans, nor God, nor any created thing is ever supposed to work. And so it's not necessarily explicitly related to the lyrics, but it's related to the concept enough that I wanted to share it because it's so good. Um, So this book is called Rilke's Book of Hours, Love Poems to God, and the author is Rilke. Um, His full name is Rainier Maria Rilke, and he's a German author. has all of these translated texts um he's considered a classic author and i believe his work is from i want to say the early 20th century but it could be earlier than that yeah it's earlier than that it's like late 19th to early 20th century is when his works were published and this particular collection is really nice it's broken into three parts this is actually um my new all-time favorite book. Not, like, ever, but I have, like, a specific all-time favorites list, and this is definitely on it. I don't know if I could say which one is, like, actually my all-time favorite. They're all my all-time favorites for different reasons, um, but anyway, I'm very particular about what goes on this list, and this one made it on this year, which, like, one in a year is pretty much the most frequent. I add things to it. I'm very, very particular. Anyway, this book is split into three parts. The book of monastic life is part one, the book of pilgrimage is part two, and the book of poverty and death is part three. So there's kind of themes throughout each section of the book, and that's how he organized the poems. Also, if you take or want to learn German, all of his works have both the German translation and the English translation, so also know that. Um, but yes, I there is this particular poem that I just thought was One of the most beautiful poems I ever read. He's easily, to date, my favorite poet. So many of his poems, so many of this collection made me cry just because I feel like people don't meditate on God's mysteriousness enough. And so I just thought this was the coolest thing. Okay, they don't have titles. But here's the poem. We must not portray you in king's robes, you drifting mist that brought forth the morning. Once again, from the old paint boxes, we take the same gold for scepter and crown that has disguised you through the ages. Piously, we produce our images of you till they stand around you like a thousand walls. And when our hearts would simply open, our fervent hands hide you. God would never stay in a lane. And so I think it's a very valid frustration that Tyler has that as humans who are made in his image, it's ludicrous to think that we should do the same. Because that's just not how created things are supposed to be. Uh, they're supposed to be whatever they are. So moving along, um, I also pulled out Highway, um, because in contrast, it's the irritation and the implication that we shouldn't stay in our lane. What they do think is this thing is a highway life is a highway um i don't know <laughs> in that sense but i do think it kind of means like playing off the road analogy here like life is very much about speed um and competition and i think that makes a lot of sense not just with the music industry but all artistic industries especially. Um, I was recently talking to a friend about this, but the publishing industry just, like, hurts me, especially because you just have authors cranking out book after book after book so fast, the vast majority of authors, and you just know when you're cranking products out that fast, it's not gonna be the best quality that it could be. Like, it's just not. Um, unless you've already been sitting on it for years, maybe, but if you, like, just started it a year ago and then completed it in, like, 12 months, there's just no way. There's no way. Because, I mean, it all, it also depends what you're trying to create. If you're just trying to create something that's, like, my friend called it, like, the equivalent of fast fashion. Like, if you're just trying to create something, create something. If you're just trying to be tropey, like, then, like, yeah, that's all the time you need, but if you're trying to make something that has a lot more significance and cultural impact, let alone, like, timelessness, that thing is gonna have to sit for a long time, like, multiple years, because, like, here's the thing, as a writer myself, I have a novel, right? I have a draft of it, and part of a second draft from, 2018, and... 2020-ish and now like I still would love to publish it eventually but writing it nowadays it's like I am still writing the, the same story the same characters but it's so different because I've lived so many more life experiences which has changed my view of how I want the story to go the emphasis of of what I want the characters to be Working through um, what I want the overall takeaways to be, even is like completely different than it was before because I just had such an idealized, romanticized version of the world before, and now I just have so much more realism that makes it better. Now, obviously, like not all books would necessarily need that amount of time because some authors are older and they already have that understanding, um, so part of that is like I've just needed to wait to change my perspective on it because of how young I was when I first wrote it but at the same time I think it still stands like um with music with anything like if you're just trying to put everything out because you're under a time crunch or a deadline or a trend whatever a tiktok like whatever it is now like I don't know what all the like pressures are for music the same way that I do for publishing but it's just not going to be the best it can be but yeah, if you think this thing is is a highway and just, you know, get there as fast as possible, and, and everyone else better move, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna put out meaningless songs, or you're gonna focus too much on the technicalities and not enough on like what's actually being said in the songs, which I think he also, he also touches on later. Um, similarly. The juxtaposition here in the lyrics of highway and this idea of just being really impulsive and being really in the moment is pressed up against but will they be alive tomorrow and again i think we've kind of talked about this before in some of the other music but he's really challenging this idea of like okay you guys are really focusing on these things that are very fleeting and they're very temporary But I'm going to move your attention aside um, to something much more eternal um, and much more weighty, which is life, death, and eternity, of course, which is where God and spirituality comes in. And I think this is just one of my favorite things that they do with their music, constantly just trying to say, you know... Maybe we'll, like, catch your attention with a beat, but we're actually here to make you think. And it just inspires me every single time because that's also what I love to focus on. I would much rather do something active and um, engage with something that actively makes me introspect or reflect than I would listen to something that's just me passively head-bopping because it's there's a bass drop and like every song does that now (laughs) so it like actually means nothing to me we get into verse one here and the guitar part is removed which I think really helps focus on the lyrics and emphasize that the the point along with the lyrics that have been built is we're focusing on what's being said and the message and the implications. We're not focusing on the music. And later in the song, when music is the focus, it's also to emphasize what's not being said and why it's quiet in those moments, I would say. So I'll just read all of verse one. It's obviously a lot. Um, but then we will go back through. They think this thing is a highway. If it was our way, we'd have a tempo change every other time change because our minds change on what we think is good. I wasn't raised in the hood, but I know a thing or two about pain and darkness. If it wasn't for this music, I don't know how I would have fought this. Regardless, all these songs I'm hearing are so heartless. Don't trust a perfect person and don't trust a song that's flawless. Honest, there's a few songs on this record that feel common. I'm in constant confrontation with what I want and what is popping in the industry. It seems to me the singles in the radio are currency. My creativity is only free when I'm playing shows. So, he starts it, emphasizing again what he just said. They think this thing is a highway, and I think he's really zooming in. It's almost like I'm I'm watching the lyrics come at me, and then the camera zooms in on that specific line. Because the commodification of the songs, the creativity, and the dehumanization is a big deal. We're focusing so much on the products in the industry. We're focusing so much on the catchiness or the marketability that we're completely excluding the humanistic aspects. And the reason that it's even being made in the first place. It's being made so that it can. So that creativity can be expressed. But now. Actually no. We don't want you to be creative. We just want you to be safe. And fit in. And to do this this and this. And make the song flow a certain way. And be conventional. Because otherwise. Blah. When like that wasn't even, wasn't even the point to begin with. And just like wallowing in it it just it makes me irritated too because it is irritating we can't treat humans and the the things that they make as if they're just things because they're not (laughs) anything that is created is not just a thing but it's also something that has been thought through right and he goes on to talk about the tempo change and this is when i just listened to the music For a really long time Um, I don't think there's actually a tempo change In the song at all But I will say that throughout the song There's a lot of different layers Of the instruments coming on With their different rhythms And so there's still like chaos And a lot going on That sounds less conventional um, But it's not like the same tempo change That we hear in Ode to Sleep Which of course this line Also reminds me of And it's really interesting to me that they say this, because I immediately thought of O to Sleep, and it was like, I wonder if, like, I wonder what the reception of that song was, um, and if people generally liked that they had tempo changes, or if that, like, really bothered people, um, but the thing was, they'd already technically released it on a regional at best, so I almost wonder if, it was like, maybe some people didn't like it, but, like, because they'd already published it before and were republishing it, like, that kind of trumped if there was any dissension towards it and it's unconventionality in that way. Just theory. (laughs) But, like, them saying that literally in the song is just interesting to me because I'm like, but they did do a tempo change before, so maybe that was frowned upon, (laughs) even though they did do that, because I feel like, is that the only song where there's a tempo change? But yeah, if it was up to them they would be a lot more creative with the modes through which they create the mouthpiece and the message and I think we know that because they're just so creative and um I think that makes me even more inspired in awe of Tyler because knowing this frustration of how his creativity was boxed in he still has done so many creative things um even if he hasn't done tempo changes since then this in this song alone again i think he does a lot creatively not necessarily him i don't know who did it but they very much made this song creative in the way that um all of the instruments came together and even just the ability of stretching the lyrics and what the lyric content is about even if it's kind of a fourth wall break um and of course he's already like being creative with Blurry Face. And as we know in the newer albums, he'll go on to be even more creative with fantastical concepts. Um and so as a whole, um just meditating on like yeah, the reality is they do have different parameters put on them, but at the same time, like they've found so many ways to even live shows, and Tyler climbing on things he wasn't supposed to, like, they're very much living out this message of, don't box me in, and we shouldn't be boxed in, um, don't be afraid to push boundaries, because if you don't, like, I mean, yeah, if you don't ever push boundaries, like, nothing ever will change, but if you do push boundaries, at least you're trying, at least there's gonna be an impact of, like, something was trying to change, even if it's ultimately, like, vetoed or overruled. And I think, obviously, that's very applicable to more than just music. Um, That can apply to a lot of injustice and things in the world. Um, Obviously, very sensitive topic right now with what's going on in the Middle East. But, yeah, certainly, like, the worst thing we can do is ignore things or just accept defeat. It's always important to just keep pressing in, even when it feels like nothing can change. Nothing will change if no one even ever tries. So, I just want to put that out there. And then I pulled out how he states, our minds changed. And I think this also... Not really necessarily a lyrical analysis, but I think this also highlights Tyler's love for reimagining his songs, and it's been so fun to see over the years, even with the latest MTV recordings that they did, they just find endless ways to recreate even their most popular songs, and it's so inspiring, um, even though I don't do the same creative things that they do, and that's why... in you know, obviously, I know they're not, underrated isn't a good word, because they're they're very well known by millions and millions of people. But at the same time, I do feel like there's still a degree to which they're underrated. Um, I think in general, all bands are underrated. That's a whole other tangent I could go on. It's always about solo artists, right? Um, and bands just always get pushed to the wayside, like... <laughs> you can easily see that if you just, if you just look at the grammys like bands have like no chance usually which is also cool that <laughs> they got a grammy because of that but i there's su- there's such a good example of creativity at its core and that's why i just wish more i guess popular artists especially would would pay closer attention to them because they just do do so much to um, just remind people the beauty of creativity and I really don't see that same inspiration necessarily among a lot of other popular artists it's a lot more rare you know when you're like top 100 artists to see them pushing as many creative boundaries in that way but there's there's still stuff it's not like it's them versus the world by any means but yeah they're not afraid to be experimental and I think these Particular lyrics kind of emphasize that with the the tempo change and because our minds change. And that's also very human and normal. And once again, proof that we cannot be boxed in because our minds change and we're allowed to change. Constantly growing and gaining new experiences and opinions. And that's okay. You don't always have to be what you've always been, even if it's been for X amount of time. Next, I pulled out the Pain and Darkness line. Without this music, I don't know how I would have thought this. Let me go back. But I know a thing or two about Pain and Darkness. If it wasn't for this music, I don't know how I would have thought this. So, highlighting the Pain and Darkness portion. I think contrasting it with the hood. There can be a lot of lies and division around pain kind of what I alluded to earlier people can easily invalidate things because for instance like I said before the hood can kind of connotate with a lot of physical violence and by contrast a lot of what we know to be Tyler's pain has been mental health and because of that I think this is a classic example of a way that we can create lies and division invalidating pain um, because it, it can be a lot more universally understood that physical pain is horrible but it can be a lot harder for people to understand and validate the immense equal amount of pain that can happen internally in a person. Obviously this is very clear because of mental health stigma. Things like emotional abuse are very much downplayed or even invalidated compared to physical abuse which I very passionate about. Um, there's so many types of abuse, not just physical. But yeah, I think in contrast, he's making a statement that's trying to bring unity instead of division um, in terms of validation. I felt like there could be multiple things he's referring to when he says, I don't know how I would have fought this without the music. That this could be his depression, um, which would make sense as he was just talking about knowing about pain and darkness. It could also be music is, ironically, what gives him the strength to fight through the frustrations with the industry um, and being boxed in. And it could also be lies and not knowing how to fight through sin, not knowing how to fight through even other people's negativity without having the encouragement of the the instruments, the music, and being able to sing through it. A lot of times our healing can come through creativity. It can come through expressing what we're going through in a different way than just self-talk in our head over and over. And I think music is a perfect example, and poetry and writing in general is a perfect example of how you can kind of retell yourself Similar stories of, like, things that you're healing and working through, but by telling them in a new way, it also helps you heal it, kind of. Like, in that similar vein of, like, when you explain a concept to someone verbally, it helps solidify the information in your brain even more than if you just, like, knew it internally. The more times we reiterate our stories, especially our negative stories and things that we've been through, I think, more, the more we heal, and the easier it is to let go and not let those things define us. So then he gets into all these songs I'm hearing are so heartless, and I took a minute to look through some top songs of 2014 and 2015, and they're all like, I don't know if it's just like the age I was, I was like, you know, late teens at the time but so many of these songs are like humorous to me like they're almost like a meme now maybe that's just me I don't know if anyone else feels that way but like a song like Boom Clap by Charlie XCX is so funny to me I just I don't even know what it is I just think that song is like I just put it on when I want to (laughs) giggle so with that vein I kind of was I was listening to Fancy, okay, I was listening to Fancy, by Iggy Azalea and Charlie X. and I was like, we're in the fast lane, I was like, I kind of feel like this song is the antithesis of Lane Boy, like, maybe they wrote this, to so kind of clap back at Fancy, not really, this is, like, I'm sure this is complete coincidence but I just thought it was really funny like they're talking about the fast lane and they're talking about these all these really shallow things um compared to Tyler and I just thought that was a really funny same musical time frame but opposite message to what Tyler is saying here and kind of like a good example of heartlessness of like we're just gonna talk about really shallow things that everyone's already talked about a billion times so really this song doesn't present anything new right it doesn't present anything that's really that memorable um and so some other heartless songs that I (laughs) pulled out again not saying they're literally heartless don't don't take these as like me attacking the songs because I love all these songs in different ways I think fancy is just like super fun to dance to. But another one I pulled out that stuck out to me, that I really, really loved at the time, um, I had a little, just mixed up my words, I had a little Ellie Goulding kink, and I used to love her song Burn, and I listened to it all the time, and so that one came out around the same time frame, and I just re-listened to it because of this, and I honestly was like, peak example of Heartless, because I was listening to the lyrics altogether. you know, I never really, like, analyze other songs in the same way as this podcast, but I was reading the lyrics and I was like, I have no idea what this song is trying to say, like, I genuinely don't know what this means, like, what are we letting burn, <laughs> like, it just, I don't understand, like, it kind of just, like, she's saying words and they sound nice and they sound like... She's trying to make a point, but, like, just altogether, it doesn't really seem like a coherent message. And then (laughs) I saw that, like, okay, this was, like, my peak five seconds of summer era as well. I was obsessed with them for the longest time, which is wild because I almost never listen to them anymore, to be completely honest. Nothing against them, I just don't like a kind of you know there's certain bands you outgrow and I I really think I outgrew them in some ways I you know I'll say that I'll probably be listening to them a ton like next year but specifically their song Amnesia came up (laughs) and this one was probably the most comical to me because when I first saw this Um, I hadn't even started playing the song yet, because I was like, I need to listen to this again, it's been years. But I was like, is this song even, like, PC now? (laughs) I started listening to it, you know, and of course the main hook is, like, I wish that I could wake up with amnesia. And, you know, at the time you're like, so angsty, yes. But now it's like, I'm an adult, and I'm like, um... No, you really don't want that. Like, you're clearly just an angsty 18-year-old who doesn't know anything. No one wants amnesia. Like, (laughs) no, it doesn't matter if you're heartbroken. Like, that's absolutely not what you want. And so that was just really funny to me, in contrast to when I genuinely would, like, sing the song and be angsty. Really hilarious perspective. But yeah, in that way, it's like these songs, they're not fully self aware in the same way. They don't necessarily have coherent messages in the same way as Lane Boy. And the vast majority of the songs that I remembered and that I was pulling from these playlists and the timeline of when they probably wrote Lane Boy, they really all were like love songs and very surface level. And you plop Lane Boy in there and Stressed Out and these other songs. And it's kind of, it was kind of sad, honestly, Um, as I looked through these playlists and then I considered Twenty One Pilots in the mix. Not because there's anything wrong with love songs, not because there's anything wrong with like any of these artists in Italy or anything like that, but just the ratio, the ratio of like love songs to literally any other type of song. And how Tony and genuinely, at least at the time, was in the minority. Not only in the minority, but like one of, if not the only artist in the top 50, 100, whatever, who was singing about anything else. Let alone something that is like very introspective. And Lane Boy in particular is a song coming alongside all those other songs is insanely introspective in contrast, which I think is great. Like, I think that's exactly why this song is so great, because I know that even when it came out, it was needed at that time. And I think, like, that's not even something Tyler or Josh could have done, but that's clearly the Lord, just knowing what's needed exactly when and delivering that um, in a way that only he can. And I just think that's really cool. And I'm sure that you do too. So along with the heartlessness, don't trust a perfect person and don't trust a song that's flawless. There's clearly this mistrust for perfection, as there should be. And I think, you know, as I mentioned before, I've worked through a lot of perfectionism this year. I continue to. But the interesting thing is perfectionism doesn't just hurt you. Um, especially someone whose perfectionism really manifests towards itself you know some people struggle a lot more with it towards others but even the perfectionism that's towards myself it still impacts you and I think my podcast is a good example because I think it was like maybe halfway ish through this year I stopped editing my podcast as heavily and even if that means there's a few more ums even if it means there's a few more pauses, or longer pauses, or a few, like, you can hear a few more inhales. Number one, I don't think anyone's that particular, where it's, like, ruining the podcast, but number two, it's also important to just show I'm not just some perfect robot who doesn't breathe, and doesn't gulp, and doesn't ever have vocal fillers. (laughs) Clearly, I say, like, too much, and I'm very aware of that, but When you remove all imperfection from things, whether it's a song, a book, a podcast, or you know, heaven forbid, social media, the epitome of mistrust of perfection, all sense of realism is removed. And when realism is removed, like there's no ability to identify with the thing, let alone the person. If I only ever had crisp, perfect podcasts where I, you know, let alone like never cried, never talked about anything difficult, (laughs) like I don't think you would like this podcast as much, I don't think you would relate as much, I don't think it would hold your attention as much, we both crave and need imperfection as humans, um, from others obviously we're inevitably going to be perfect but realism is so crucial to relationship that's why like if you tend to just have a surface level relationship with someone it's probably gonna fizzle out pretty fast because you shallowness can only take you so far lack of vulnerability can only take you so far so then um i pulled out the constant confrontation one. And there's this ongoing tension, right? Ongoing tension with money, I think, in one sense of either I can be creative and do something more experimental or not. And if I don't, it's probably not going to make as much money because realistically and in an industry with capitalism, there is always going to be that degree of you do have to cater to markets the market if you want to make a living (laughs) obviously that's not the same case with like top 100 artists that's not a good example but even small artists like if they want to make a living in, in music there's there's unfortunately going to be parameters um in one way or another even if it's like the way they interact on social media that are going to have to be met in order to garner the audience that they want to be able to make a living wage off of it. And that's also why, and I don't blame them, a lot of people probably burn out and stop because we're not made for algorithms. We're not made for marketability. We're we're just made to be ourselves. (laughs) That's really the thing throughout this song. But similarly, I think another layer of tension and constant confrontation, he's, he's having in the industry, is a fear of standing out. Again, like, I I look at the list of these top songs, and Tony Pilots clearly stands out as the introspective ones. But it's it's scary to stand out, especially if you know, like, you might be the only one. Like, they could very well be the only one on that list. That was not a love song. I didn't know all the songs, so I couldn't tell you. But at the same time, like, as much as authenticity is valued and ultimately like drives connection it's also a very scary thing it's a very scary thing to be authentic when you know that it might not be in the majority um it might not be accepted it might be really harshly judged um and it might change people's perceptions of you because you're not just trying to fit in i also added that along with the marketability piece like it's not just getting money for yourself but especially if you're under a label like the amount of sales of your songs are, are also paying other people. So it's also not just your finances that are on the line, but it's other people's, which unfortunately makes the parameters and control stricter because it's not just impacting you. So he goes back into the chorus again, and generally it felt like initially... Um, people saying stay in your lane are just generally like representing the industry but I feel like considering the whole first verse and what he was talking about I think now going back into the chorus um, it also kind of lumps together this assumption that the pressure is also coming from the other artists and this idea of be safe be homogenous and don't stick out because you could get judged made fun of, excluded So then we go into verse two. He says, I'm sorry if that question I asked last scared you a bit like a hazmat and a gas mask. If you ask Zach, he's my brother. He likes when I rap fast. But let's backtrack back to this. Who would you live and die for on that list? But the problem is there's another list that exists and no one really wants to think about this. Forget sanity, forget salary, forget vanity, my morality. If you get between someone I love and me, you're gonna feel the heat of my cavalry. All these songs I'm hearing are so heartless. Don't trust a perfect person and don't trust a song that's flawless. So he stops for a little aside and apologizes if his question was too scary. Will they be alive tomorrow? Which touches on, I think it touches on both mental health, depression, suicidal alert, suicidal ideation and awareness, but it also touches upon general morality, which is, you always joke about existential crises, but clearly we have a common theme of being really freaked out. Think of our morality. Well, maybe morality too, but I definitely meant mortality. <laughs> Both. And this is where I just relate to Tyler so much, because he's acknowledging that he's brought up the reality of death and as such like sorry um I didn't bring you here to um enjoy some escapism <laughs> and I feel like that's exactly why I go to entertainment and that's why I love art I feel like I I'm slightly beating a dead horse as I I know i said this before but I just relate so much to not coming to art to escape but coming to art to feel life even more deeply, and the reason that I'm living even more deeply, and the reason that I have the beliefs I do even more deeply. And so this is just another example of a way that I very deeply resonated with what Tyler was saying. I think he brings up the hazmat image specifically because it's very much like we're handling foreign matter here that's like really shocking and alarming, and also indicating that there's a presence of danger. There's a presence and and really there is, because if someone's eternity is at stake, nothing could be more dangerous um, and more pressing. Then I love that after he acknowledges all that, he goes into talking about Zach, because this is just, I feel like it's just back to Tyler's origins. He brought Zach into his song with Kitchen Sink, of course, and I don't know which brother he was talking about and stressed out, but he possibly referenced Zach or Jay in that song. Either way, I love how he's emphasizing that he's sticking to his roots, literally, but also he's sticking to the things that he's always enjoyed writing about. And he's grounding himself through his brother, and he's also being vulnerable by talking about his brother. This is not just a song, but he's literally bringing one of his loved ones into the song that's how important this song in the message is and that's how important authenticity is to him I think and so it was really endearing to me that he brought Zach into this as kind of like that little nod to fans of like I'm still me and this is proof and also Zach likes when he raps fast so that's why he's doing that (laughs) but let's backtrack back to this who do you live and die for on that list but I don't know what he's referring to when he says that list because he makes it sound like he brought up a list before in the song, but I don't think he did. Um, the only thing I could think of is if he's referring to, like, who would you live and die for when you think of, will they be alive tomorrow, like, those people? Who would you live and die for on that list? If there's a different reference you think he's making... Let me know, because I really wasn't sure. He, he just made it sound like he was calling back to something, but I was like, he didn't mention a list before, so I didn't really know. But either way, he's questioning, like, who... I mean, he's questioning e- exactly what it's saying. But along with that, he's putting the focus on, like, relationships and loved ones and what are you living for? What would you die for? Let's talk about your morals. Let's talk about your motivations and focus on this other layer of introspection now that we've gone past authenticity. But in contrast, like it's a lot easier to think of our loved ones, to think of the present, but it's a lot harder to think of the future, let alone eternity. So he contrasts the list of loved ones and um, priorities and morals and all of that with the Book of Life that he alludes to in the next line. Um, no one really needs to think about this. And the Book of Life is referenced by Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, specifically. Um, but what I did want to read is the Revelation passage on the Book of Life, which is chapter 20, verses 12 through 15. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death of the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Fun! <laughs> Woo, happy Friday, because it is technically Friday now. Yeah, with that beautiful image in mind. Um, Clearly, if you don't want to think about death, you probably really don't want to think about this. Um, And this passage especially is very detailed in its gruesomeness and in its violence and in its finalness. But if you believe in Christ, if you are a Christian, like that's also reality that you believe in that that will happen so like understandable if that's not exactly like a list you want to think about every day um of course if you're a christian and have your faith in christ there's there's nothing to fear but it's also just not a fun concept to think about if nothing else for the sake of non-believers um it's a very it's a very gruesome thing and i think the scariest thing about it is it is so final like it's not like oh, but also you still have a chance, like, no, it's, it's not like that in that way, and that's very, like, anti-human, I feel like, because we always hope that there's always hope for everyone, forever, but also, like, if you believe in God, you also believe that there's not hope for everyone, um, it's just this really difficult tension, and, and that's obviously when very valid questions come up, like, how could a good God let that happen? How could a good God let anyone go to permanent separation and torture and hell? And because also God's not a God of control. And that innately brings it back to Lane Boy and all of the concepts that we've already been talking about. And so as he finishes out the verse, it says, forget sanity, forget salary, forget all these things that I've already talked about that have kept me afraid, that have kept me very prideful, what matters more is people. If you get in between someone I love and me, you're gonna feel the heat of my cavalry, which is like a battle concept with people riding on horses and such. I guess I would just say is like, probably like all of your other loved ones behind you as well, if someone gets in between someone you love and you. And I think ultimately this thought process and these lyrics emphasize that people will always be what's most important they're more important than our pride they're more important than our marketability or even our finances our income they're certainly more important than our image and whether we fit in or not and they're more important even than ourselves um, at times obviously within healthier reason not as a an excuse to neglect yourself and because of that I think this anger with like someone getting between you and a loved one is also proof that he is trying to create unity rather than division and there's such frustration when something is trying to wedge between two good things because it has no place to do that that's not what we're designed for we're not designed for division we're designed for unity that's why the fall was so heartbreaking that's why Jesus before he again was it was such a tragedy in us prior to Jesus Jesus's new covenant our lives as humans were such a tragedy because we were permanently separated from God because we couldn't come near to him in the way that um, we've been given the privilege to now and so this is where in the song as the bridge comes around um, the music really builds and the the instruments start playing different rhythms on top of each other and the bridge is very simple it's probably one of if not their most minimal bridge and they just keep asking will they be alive tomorrow and at the end they be alive tomorrow is said in that more warped voice which could potentially be blurry face but I like that They're making the bridge simple, but they're also repeating something that's already been said, so they're not providing any new information in the bridge, which is also, I feel like, kind of pushing the norm, because the bridge can oftentimes be, like, the most beloved part of a song, and in contrast, they're just making it very simple because they're asking, will they be alive tomorrow? Like, in a lot of ways, the bridge can be the thesis to a song and the thing people are anticipating the most in a song or at least perhaps industry people more so and ultimately the emphasis in this bridge and possibly in the song I think probably in this song as we've already talked about is that the focus is on people and the focus is on eternity and that is really what Tyler and Josh are, are hoping is the focus of the song and the takeaway from the song and I think The reason it's repeated and the reason that there's a bit of an instrumental here as well and the music takes over is so that you can really meditate on that question. It's a very intentional way to emphasize what's being said. And if the words are being said over and over and then there's just a period of silence, it's very likely that that's just going to keep repeating in your head. So in that way, there's a refusal in the way that they focus on the instruments instead of the words to give in to the rules, give in to the conventional ideals of a song like this. Let alone, it's also 4 minutes and 13 seconds, which is probably longer than the ideal song. I don't know exactly what the ideal song length is, but I feel like it's probably like 3 minutes to 3 and a half minutes-ish. So they're even breaking bounds in the length of the song, too. Probably mostly because of bridge, honestly which is very interesting and intentional. But yeah, I love how, as a whole, as the song fades out and everything, it's very much a resistance to norms and a resistance to structure. And I love how, as the bridge goes along and the instruments build on top of each other, but all in different rhythms, and then the drums fade in at the very, very end and crescendo, I like how It's like literally pushing the norm by feeling like at any second, all of the convention and all the structure could just be blown to bits. All of the instruments and the music really make it feel like everything is going to be shattered in a millisecond. Everything is threatening to break out because there's so much frustration of being enclosed and even the lyrics. It's such a, in that same way, it's such a good depiction of frustration through music and just sound and the way that it ebbs and flows and gets really tense at the end. I think they conveyed frustration through sound really well. And I just, I just think it's so good. I think it's so unique in that way because they're really capturing feeling while also creating reflection while also breaking a fourth wall. They're doing so many cool things and using so many devices. And I just, I love this song. I am so impressed by the layers of creativity in it. Um, It's definitely something I can continue to listen to and get even more from. And it definitely inspires me to want to continue to push boundaries in my own creativity and see if there's ways I could be a little less unconventional, a little less conventional. So yeah, it was just thoroughly enjoyable to meditate on this, and I know that, and I'm sure that I will continue to. And um, I would love to know what you guys love about this song, because I, I honestly would love to keep talking about it. I just don't have anything at the moment. And so if there's any way we can continue our lane boy conversations, aside from, of course, the music video analysis coming up, I would love to, so please let me know if, if there's anything more about this song you would love to talk about, or that um, we could dig deeper into, because I would love that, honestly. So, all of that being said, I would love to hear from you. You can email podcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 Pilots story, or your favorite memories you have related to the band. You can also reach out with an episode request if you want to analyze a song, video, or album with me. And if you'd like to contribute to the analysis we've already covered, you can send an email or message me on Instagram at entrench underscore pod. You can find Entrench on Podbean, Verbal, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music, among many, many others. I look forward to hearing from all of you. Tune in next time for the Lane Boy music video. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, entrench, you're not alone.